0: nycfc win mls cup the champions league has wrapped up the group stage we talk about all of that and more on this episode of the final third podcast don't forget to give us a follow on twitter at final third show that link will be down in the show notes below also give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and yeah enjoy the show thank you for Um, downloading i
1: haven't adjusted the mic levels there we go it's it's already pre-adjusted good
0: Cool. Alright, I'm recording on Audacity. Test, test, test. Yep, lines yeah. up. Okay. Uh, let me record here. <laughs> Alright. Okay, that's a little...
1: Oh, wait, no, no, it's not low. It was. I was just talking low. We're good.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, I can lead us in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third podcast. It's a Monday. It's our news and predictions episode. As always, I'm one of your co hosts, AJ Tabura. I'm a fan of Minnesota United, West Ham United, the U.S. national teams. And Jack, today I'm also NYCFC. Oh, Let's go. No, I, got I, knew, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to uh, happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a NYCFC fan, but I am uh, going to be talking about them coming up because they won. A certain trophy that Jack and I uh, both watched and speaking of Jack my co-host Jack is joining me as always today Jack how are you uh,
1: I'm doing well I I had a busy weekend but I was still able to watch some soccer here and there but I am a fan of Chelsea was good good ga- good rivalry game this weekend a uh, fan of Minnesota United Atalanta and of the U.S. and French national
0: teams yeah yeah and Atalanta as far as I know didn't go too well
1: oh it went, it went great they had a comeback uh, oh one.
0: okay okay yeah, I don't know what it. I'm thinking of they, maybe I'm thinking of yeah, the Champions I, League
1: yeah no we, we don't talk about the Champions League <laughs> they're, they're competing for the big trophy the Europa League so yeah. that's fine hey,
0: hey West Ham is there too <laughs> and I, I guess I should mention that the West Ham, it, it wasn't great. It could have been a, a lot better. But given where we are, I guess it's kind of uh, the case that a 0-0 draw is, I guess, fine. I mean,
1: it was against Burnley at Burnley. Zero-zero yeah. 0 is the most likely outcome at Turf Moor. <laughs> let's
0: be real. That, that's true. That's true. Uh, just a reminder of, of what this podcast is all about. We like to talk about the biggest news stories, really dive deep. Uh, into those new stories, both on and off the field. We'll talk about a couple of stories here. Uh, A lot of them have to do with MLS, but also, you know, we're wrapping up the Champions League group stage here, talking about the the best and worst teams of the group stage. Going to go into some special segments, including our prediction segment, where we uh, uh, look over the five biggest games this past week and look ahead and predict the next week's five biggest games. As always, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show to keep updated with everything we're talking about because this is a show that we take great pride in and we like to talk to all of you. Jack, are you ready to dive into uh some big news stories here? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Well Jack, did you happen to watch a certain New York City football club winning MLS Cup this Saturday?
1: I did watch uh, not all of it, unfortunately, because I was uh, still proctoring the ACT exam to make some money to hopefully save up for some tickets to the upcoming U.S. men's national team game in St. Paul. (laughs) Uh, But I was able to catch at least, well, from Portland's equalizer on through the rest of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good portion. I have. Yeah. So this game finished. One one in Providence Park. It was the Portland Timbers, the winners of the Western Conference, versus NYCFC, the winners of the Eastern Conference. Both the fourth seeds in their respective conferences ended up being one one. Really, you know, I- I'll recap some of the some of the moments and try to, you know, uh, spark a discussion here because this was a really interesting game. So let's talk about this MLS Cup final. Finished one to one, as I said. Before we get to that huge atmosphere in Portland, it was rocking. It was a record attendance in Portland uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, I think since, uh, since they remodeled the stadium, this is the, the biggest crowd in Portland. Lots of people came out, including the head coach of the New York Yankees and one of the higher ups of City Football Group. And Jack, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, th- there was a video going around from the pregame where they had a huge inflatable MLS cup trophy. And I did
1: not see this,
0: no. Because you should you should look at it cuz because of the wind it knocked the wind knocked the trophy down and so it was all deflated and stuff and they tried to cart on the field to like, have this like big ceremony and it was just it was just kind of like crumpled over. <laughs> yeah, there you saw yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. That's funny. Oh my yeah.
0: god. Yeah, uh, but but despite that, you know, uh, the Portland supporters, the traveling NYCFC supporters, came out. Portland had a, a really cool uh, uh, tifo that they organized. Really impressive given the short turnaround time. I especially like NYCFCs because you know Portland Timbers, New York City is known for their Timberlands, the 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 boot uh, company, and so NYCFC had a bunch of cutouts of uh, Tim's, the, the the boots, and kind of like. Uh, you know, swung those around uh, throughout the game. So it was really fun. Uh, but speaking about on the field, Jack and I recapped, or not recapped, capped I guess is the right word. Previewed? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wanted to rhyme with recap. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, we previewed uh, this final and talked about what we'd expect and kind of what we expected to happen, you know, happened. Uh, NYCFC, uh, had you know a good amount of chances needed to be very, uh, v- very clinical with them because Portland Timbers were playing on the counter, kind of bunkering, really strengthening the- strengthening their defense and letting their you know dynamic attack do the rest once they were able to counter. Uh, case in point, NYCFC had fifty two percent of the possession, although it seemed more like sixty percent in the first half. And honestly, like a lot of people have mentioned this, it was disjointed at times. Maybe it was because of the, the heavy rain that was coming down in the Pacific Northwest. Neither side really had a great open play chances uh, open up for them. Portland's open play XG was only 0.99. NYCFC's was only 0.44. They had their chances in the first half, but it all came to a head in the 41st minute. A goal by Castellanos, a beautifully placed header to make it 1-0 before. The half a time whistle blew. Uh, what what a goal from him! He's really known for uh, his headers. Portland are not known for giving up set piece goals, but here he they were you know giving up a goal, kind of confusing. But you know when it's you have the golden boot winner scoring uh, for NYCFC. I guess that's you know that's what just happens. Uh, Jack, did you see that goal? What, what, what do you think of that? And uh, do you think that Portland should have done better there? I know you mentioned their their defense. Uh, in the preview. So. Yeah,
1: I, I was going to say, uh, I'm pretty sure they have one of the worst records defending against set-piece goals. I, I could be wrong. I actually, wrong, but I actually
0: I, think that's the opposite, which is why is I kind it? of okay. highlighted. Uh, I don't think they conceded a set-piece goal in about 20 games. The last time, I think, was their 6-2 loss to Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, their defense still is is a liability, I think. And I think it showed on that. They they lost uh, Castellanos completely really. And if you give him if you give him a, a few inches, he's gonna try and shoot for goal. And yeah. that's what he did. And you know, uh it, it's only fitting that he scored in this final. You know, he's the golden boot winner for a reason. And uh yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it, it definitely helped them, especially, you know, forty first minute Kind of an ideal time to take mm-hmm. a lead, you know, right before halftime. Uh, really, really, really well done for, from
0: them. Yeah, you have the momentum uh, going into the halftime break. That's, that's really, really good. Uh, yeah, Defensive line, I, I thought Bravo had a good game as always. You mentioned him being like one of the better left backs in the league. Steve Clark, though, I think should have done better here uh, in this. I think he should have done better in a lot of moments coming up here. Uh, But one thing I want to highlight before we move on was uh, Medina, NYCFC's uh, right winger, uh, got hit by a water bottle in the celebration. Uh, uh, Not even a water bottle. It was was a a beer can, I suppose. I I saw two objects getting thrown, one of them hitting him pretty squarely in the, not necessarily face, but like neck and uh, uh, clavicle area. And that's got to hurt, especially moving at that, velocity uh jack anything to say about that
1: just don't throw stuff at players like yeah. honestly like the, it doesn't matter if you're angry just be an, a decent person like if if you were if you were like say at work and someone gave a better presentation <laughs> than you and you're just like ah boo and just threw a laptop at your coworker that's not okay like that's you know not okay. like you you be kind right Mm -hmm. and just do better as a team then if you don't want them to concede goals then steve clark shouldn't have let it slip underneath his body and yeah i don't know people people are getting a bit too mad down in portland i think i I think it it, just don't do that it's it's never okay to throw things at players
0: it's never okay to throw things at anybody really yeah yeah, there's only well there's only a few baseball yeah, if you're playing baseball and having a snowball <laughs> fight, then it's okay to throw things at, at players. But, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much it is assault. I'm, I'm not going to dance oh, yeah, around no, no, it. No, it. It's is. assault is. to the point that those two uh, f- I'm not going to call them fans. Those two people got arrested uh, and are in police custody probably, uh, you know, coming into a fine or a criminal charge or something. Either way, they got banned for life because that kind of sucks. Uh, just I'm glad that the Portland fans were able to call them out. They kind of shunned them and reported them, so good for them. Going into the second half, NYCFC kind of lost their rhythm, and Portland really grew into this game, created more chances. Chara and Blanco began to really synergize and play really well together. Uh, Diego Chara especially was really pulling the strings, creating chances. Uh, To back that up, I got some stats for XG. First half XG, Portland only had 017 And uh, NYCFC had 0.58, but in the second half, NYCFC only had 0.25, and Portland had 0.74. So they were creating some good chances in terms of XG. Blanco came off in the 62nd minute, and he seemed fatigued. And this is one of the weaknesses that Jack really mentioned with Portland was, you know, Jack really mentioned, like, you know, if Blanco is fit is going to be very very dynamic such a good attacker for portland some might say that he wasn't 100 percent there because he seemed pretty fatigued jack would you have started him do you think it was worth starting him or do you think uh it was worth having him as maybe a super sub coming in late at the game
1: given what i saw from him i think super sub would have been a far better option yeah uh, I i really think you know like you said he didn't look exactly on top of his game he was he was good uh but he, he wasn't fantastic as we know he can be mm-hmm. and i think you know if there's even like a doubt of fitness i think you just use him as a super sub then uh manage the minutes uh also you know have him on for penalty kicks potentially you know uh, that right. that's another that's another thing because You'll, I'm I'm sure you'll talk about it but they definitely missed him in those in that shootout.
0: Mhm. Yeah. I and mean, he he was he was the game changer that you highlighted in your preview so. Mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Not having him at 100% and having him tired by the start of the second half was not exactly what you want to see out of your MVP caliber number 10. Uh Chara however wasn't fatigued neither Gimme nor Diego uh for Portland. At one point in the second half, right before 90 minutes, Medina breaks away from the Portland defense. It's like the 89th minute. Portland uh, just had uh, a corner and, or no, NYCFC just had a corner. Portland are trying to come back. Medina breaks away from the Portland defense and is in on goal. But 35-year-old Diego Charo sprints and closes him down. Huge, huge moment, especially because Mora. Uh, their number nine, Portland's number nine, scores a dramatic last-minute goal off a rebound from Chara and Niaz Goda's shots. Kind of falls to him. A uh, huge, huge moment. The stadium absolutely erupted. You can barely hear anything, even on, on a TV. Like, it, it was a nuts, nuts moment. And this was literally like last, last minute. It was it, We only had four minutes of, of stoppage time, some, thereabouts. It was like 90 plus third minutes. And Jack, I'm going to ask you how that goal was and how you enjoyed it. Uh, Cause it was a great moment, but also uh, I I'm forgetting, I think it was Callens uh, supposedly got fouled, got pushed down by uh, a Portland player. Do you, do you believe that that goal might've been uh, or should have been called back?
1: Uh, I, I don't think it should have been called back. I am I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the clip again it's a they're both jumping for a header uh-huh. and one of them is is uh, it's it's Chino, I think that gets fa- that gets fouled potentially. OK,
0: it
1: it looks like they're both jumping for it and contesting for it. it it's clear that they're that they're both going for it. So I think I think that he just loses out and, you know, I, I think it, it's a well taken goal. Uh, it, it was a lucky rebound as well. Gets very lucky that it fell right back to him. That's exactly the person you want a rebound to fall to, as okay. well. If you're Portland in the 94th minute, uh, so pretty, pretty, well, pretty well done. Uh, you know, it, it was awesome to see Portland celebrating. You know, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of either of these teams in particular, <laughs> uh, but it was cool to see one of the better fan bases in MLS uh, get that moment.
0: Yeah, and that, that's going to be that, that's going to be a top 10 MLS moment for years to come because. The raw emotion erupt out of that stadium after their MLS season got extended by 30 more minutes was just, it, 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 could, it could bring a grown man to tears. It's how beautiful it was. Uh, extra time, Valeri came on uh, right before the 90th uh, minute. Uh, not much to say. I mean, both uh, teams had their chances, but it went to a shootout. And this is where, you know, things kind of fell apart for Portland overall. Yeah, I want to say
1: you actually called it as well before this even before the shootout even happened uh, on our Twitter. That's true. Follow us on Twitter at final third show. But AJ called this completely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I basically said like Portland are going to want to score an extra time. And they were really, really trying. I think they were the ones on the front foot. Maybe NYCFC were more content Going to penalties because I thought, you know, Steve Clark, yes, he had a penalty shootout win against FC Cincinnati in the MLS's uh, back uh, yep, playoffs. Yep. But that's also Cincinnati. And that was also two years ago. Sean Johnson just recently won uh, against uh, New England Revolution uh, in this playoffs. So I was like, Sean Johnson, I think, is going to be the better of the two goalkeepers going into a penalty shootout. And I was absolutely right because uh Yes, Portland did not take very good uh, penalties for their first two penalties. Both Felipe Mora and Diego Valeri got their penalties saved. Castellanos uh, uh, made his Alfredo Morales. His penalty got saved by Steve Clark. So, you know, you know, credit Steve Clark, but especially credit to Sean Johnson for saving two in a row. And then after that, all everyone made their shots. Maxi Morales. Magno and Callens who got to the winning uh, penalty kick for uh, uh NYCFC Moreno and Paredes for Portland tried to you know uh, get it back to uh Portland's advantage but unfortunately Steve Clark really you know I, I'm I I I'm not very hasty in blaming keepers in terms of penalty shootouts because you know it's a tough job uh you it's literally no pressure because it's either your hero or you know it's whatever but there are so many times when it just should have it probably should have been a save like he kind of overshot it, or maybe undershot it he dived the right way but just couldn't get to it
1: the one the one that he missed where he literally overestimated it all the way and it went underneath it like it he jumped over it he jumped over the ball it it was that that one was kind of embarrassing i'm not (laughs) gonna lie yeah
0: and I mean, he's what, like thirty-five or something? Yeah, he's thirty-five. 35. Yep. Old man Steve Clark versus, you know, uh, in his prime Sean Johnson. I'm taking Sean Johnson every time. Uh what a moment for NYCFC. Uh Callens buries the penalty. They win to four to two on uh, penalties, uh one to one after uh extra time and penalties finished. I mean what a moment this was. The it's it's NYCFC's first uh MLS Cup they're only a team since 2015 this is New York City's first sports championship in 10 years which you know as a Minnesota fan kind of makes me a little bit angry because they're acting like that's uh, such a a long drought it's been 30 years for us you know give me a break give me a break Uh, but Jack I'm gonna ask you something that I've been asking myself this entire entire weekend because we you know we talked about how to fix MLS playoffs Do you think that NYCFC deserved this win? And I don't mean like, do they deserve to win this particular game? Because obviously, I think everyone agrees that they were the better team. I'm talking about throughout the season. Do you think that they deserve this uh, or were the best team in MLS? Both can have uh, different answers there. What do you think then?
1: Were they the best team in MLS? I'm going to say no, uh, because they had very good runs of form. But also pretty bad ones as well. Uh, so they were inconsistent, but they hit a form of consistency right before the playoffs, That's and that true. really carried them through. Um, the other one, did they deserve this win? I, I yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh, you know they they've invested quite a lot. They've changed their strategy because when they first entered MLS, the strategy was get aging European players. Uh, the, to the LA in.
0: galaxy one might say
1: yeah yeah the la galaxy uh or the current inter miami right uh, but and that wasn't working out so they changed it up and it's definitely paid dividends for them i i'll, I'll, I'll say that they're they changed their strategy and it ended up winning uh so I, I i think they they deserved it they've definitely put in the work for this one um yeah i i, I feel bad for portland because absolutely, you know, it, it's it, like like I've said already, it, it it is one of the best fan bases in MLS. Their atmosphere is incredible, uh, and you know, I I I don't I may not like the team, but I do like the fans there because they show what soccer in the U.S. should look like. Uh, so I I mean, I feel bad for them, but for NYCFC. Uh, However many fans they have, you know, good for them.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, we saw uh, some uh, videos of their watch party and that winning penalty, that place absolutely erupted, pr- probably went up to like 200 decibels or something. But uh, for NYCFC, I, I think the MVPs had to be James Sands. I highlighted him as someone that needed to perform and he performed amazingly. 12 recoveries, six tackles attempted, six won, 10 duels won. Man of the match, along with Sean Johnson for making those two penalty saves. Uh, The attack was strong. Morales and Tati Castellanos. Portland's weaknesses, we mentioned. uh, Blanco also throwing Espria, who started, I believe, on the left wing. uh, Also kind of looked fatigued. Didn't really really look like he was adding too much in the attack. And also, Steve Clark was also bad. Uh, To close off this MLS Cup talk, I want to talk about long-term vision here. What does this mean for... NYCFC jack because you know they still don't have a stadium. I think that's the last thing that they need cuz they have a, you know a good fan base. They have obviously a winning team. They now have a city that knows a that they exist and b that they have a winning culture now. Do you think that you know this could maybe propel you know city council members in New York City to be like, "Yeah, we'll give you a plot of land to to build a stadium." Do you think that this is going to kind of inspire the fans to uh, new fans to give up on Red Bulls and go to the new winning team in New York City? Like, do you think that this is a, a watershed moment for New York City? I know it's a lot of questions in one, but really, it's the same one. Like, is this how big of a deal is this for NYCFC?
1: Well, I think inevitably it's going to lead to some people bandwagoning over to NYCFC uh, especially if you look at the Red Bulls recently, they haven't really performed up to the level. They may have a stadium and everything, but I uh, psychologically people want to be part of a winning group. That, that's uh, you know, <laughs> I, I study political science a lot and that. And we talk about that a lot in those classes and it, it's true. Like people just like to win. So if, if you, if, if you're, you're talking about that, that's definitely going to happen. Uh, but NYCFC Regardless of if the city council starts to like, you know, approve things for a stadium, they've got to push for it. They themselves have to push for that stadium. Use this win to say, hey, we belong in the city and we've shown what we like that we're exactly a huge part of this league. And, you know, you, you've got You've got to try and get that stadium, because if you don't have that, uh, you're not going to get the hardcore soccer fans, I think. Like mm-hmm. you, you might, you might get a lot of more casual watchers who are like, oh, this is cool. They won, uh, the, the championship. Uh, so let, let's go check them out. But you know, I, 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 think you, you've really got, if you, if they want to take over NYRB, right. If that's what they want to do, they need that stadium because they've got the Red Bulls beaten in literally every area except <laughs> for stadium atmosphere. That right. That's it. Like, if, if you can provide that sort of stuff, maybe maybe they start growing bigger than the Red Bulls could hope to be. You know, that that's that's what I think. I, I think no matter what, they are held back permanently by the fact that they don't have their own stadium.
0: Yes. And which is why we, we were both happy to see that RSL did not win the Western Conference and that this match would not be played in Yankee Stadium. Like, it, it's it's a huge handicap on not just them, but the league. And I really think that now that they show like, hey, we gave you guys a championship, you know, give us a plot of land. It's not to be crazy. Like somewhere in the Bronx, even if it's the, I believe one of the the most recent ones is like a, the the parking, the parking garage, tearing that out, down right outside Yankee Stadium and building a stadium there. That's a perfect spot. You know, keep sure. it in the Bronx. We, we love the Bronx. That would be huge. And I think building the momentum, Right. We now we know that New York is blue. So just build up that momentum and <laughs> you have the you have the city one at that point. And to quickly talk about the Red Bulls, you know, they've been here since day one, 1996. The entered the league is the Metro stars, you know, it, it, there's a saying that's so Metro uh, in terms of choking. That, that's what that what that saying means when a team chokes, that's so Metro. They've now gone more than 25 years without a championship, uh, without a U.S. Open Cup. You know, three supporter shields. That's cool. That's cool. NYCFC now have won the league in just six years after coming in as an expansion team. I, I, I really don't know how Red Bull fans can swallow that. That's such a hard, hard pill to swallow. Your rival plays in a baseball stadium. They've been in the league for like 19 years after you. and. Now that they have a championship there's it's indisputable. New York is blue at least for the near future, and it really sucks i i I saw a reddit post and we'll we'll move on after this, but I saw a reddit post uh, about uh the New York red bulls it was it was in the Red Bulls subreddit, and they were saying like like that this is this is like the worst case scenario, right their atmosphere atmospheres already kind of taken a plunge. attendance has already taken a plunge because uh red bull has not been very good in recent seasons and now they're like well our rival just beat uh portland for the the mls cup why would any casual fan want to go all the way out to new jersey to watch a game for a team that has kind of a crappy atmosphere a good stadium but a crappy atmosphere and obviously a, a team that hasn't won a championship so it's looking dire for red bulls it's looking up for new york city fc and city football group who now have uh four teams who are champions of their respective leagues i believe in india england australia and now the united states jack anything else to say about mls cup before we move on to the champions league i mean
1: it was it was a good penalty shootout it was uh and also um I have been scarred for life by Ronnie Diaz' <laughs> celebration. Yeah, uh, if you really, if you really don't need your eyes anymore, you can look it up. But uh, otherwise, I'd just suggest staying away from it. It's not, it's not nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he he promised he would do the same celebration he did uh, when he managed another team. Uh, I'm forgetting which team it was, but when they escaped relegation, he stripped down to celebrate. And when he came to NYCFC, he promised that they won the cup, he'd strip down again. And he did shirt and Ugh. pants and everything. And uh, yeah, to be yeah. fair, at the very least, it's not like his body is like unsightly, like it was fine. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, damn, man, put a shirt on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also the fact that he started doing push-ups after it and yeah. just like in front of the MLS cup as the players like gathered around kind of weird. Yeah. Just kind of weird.
0: All right, Jack, let's talk about the Champions League. All right. uh, the the final match day wrapped up. All six match days are completed, which means we now have all 16 representatives going to the final 16 decided here. So I thought we would uh first go through uh all, all of the teams that made the last 16 and the teams that made uh I shouldn't say made failed to make the last 16 and are relegated to the Europa League so Jack why don't you walk us through the final results of the Champions League group stage
1: yeah well Group A City and PSG advanced to the round of 16 and Leipzig uh, will be in the Europa League then we've got uh, you know we we knew that result was going to happen that was already set in stone pretty much Uh, Leipzig getting into the Europa League is huge because uh, for a while, it was looking like they might be out of Europe altogether, but no, they've scraped something at least. Uh, group B, Liverpool get through perfect, uh, perfect record, uh, and Atletico Madrid are also going through barely. <laughs> it, it, to, it took a lot uh, for them to make it through, and the disparity between these teams is massive in this group. But uh, And then FC Porto will be in the Europa League. Bad news for AC Milan after seven years of being out of the UCL. They're heading home immediately after the group stage. That's that. That really sucks for the six time winners. I believe they're six time winners. Uh, That that's not great. Although it is good that they've made it back into it and look on path to do the same this this season as well. Group C Ajax surprised everyone and topped the group with a perfect record as well. And shockingly. Sporting CP, Sporting Club de Portugal, beat out Dortmund for the second round of 16 spot from yeah. Group C. Dortmund are in the Europa League, and uh, we best not talk about Besiktas. Bas- Bas- uh, yeah, yeah uh, the, uh, only, the only team to get zero points in the group tough. stage.
0: That's tough.
1: Yeah, that's really rough. Um, also, the worst goal differential. Uh, so really just the worst team. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry, Basikta, (laughs) it's too bad for you. Uh, Group D, Real Madrid and Inter are making it through, and debutants, Sheriff, are in the Europa League. So, overall a decent showing for the Moldovan side. Uh, And in Group E, the third unbeaten team, or not just unbeaten, but perfect team, Bayern Munich make it through. And the big shock and the big news story from this, Benfica make it to the round of 16 and Barcelona for the first time since I believe 2004
0: yep, yep
1: are down in the Europa League and do you want to know what's really interesting about that AJ what the first time uh, the the first time they were in the Europa League oh yeah like or the last time was the first season or the last season without Messi the first season without Messi now back in the Europa League it mm. really, it really shows how much he was carrying that yeah, team. Yeah, I'm seeing a trend there. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I was about to say I'm no statistician, but I am a statistician, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like there might be a correlation there. Uh, statistically significant, maybe. Maybe, uh, but yeah, Barcelona are going to be battling it out in the Europa League. Let's be real, they probably won't even make it into the final or even close to that uh, based off of their recent form. Yeah.
0: West Ham will take care of them, don't worry.
1: West Ham versus Atalanta in the Europa Leagues, and because speaking of Atalanta, yeah. they are in the Europa League after two relatively impressive, I think, uh, UCL campaigns. They've been dropped down to the Europa League with Man United and Villarreal, the last Europa League winners. And actually, both of the last two... The, the finalists from last season yes, in the Europa true. League, making it through to the UCL group stage. And then we had the Group of Life, Group G. Lille and Salzburg make it through to U.S. Uh, players. Wait, be these are the two through.
0: teams I also predicted last time around. that would uh, That is true. It, so. uh,
1: uh, and S- Sevilla did exactly what they wanted to do, which is get third so they could go to the Europa League <laughs> and win it for maybe a fifth time now, I believe they're going for. So. Uh, and Wolfsburg... Um, are gone. Uh, yeah. Wolfsburg had a really underwhelming campaign in the in the UCL this time around, and then we have Group H, which uh, we don't need to talk about who came first or second in this one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Juventus and Chelsea are through to the round of 16, while Zenit Saint Petersburg are going through to the Europa League. So that's how all of these came through. Came through. So Aj, who are your most impressive teams
0: yeah when we're looking at the most impressive teams uh i I picked I i wanted to have a balance between teams that just like did well and you expect them to do well and also teams that surprised me so uh my three most impressive teams i had number one Lille. i thought Lille were going to finish last in group g i think it was actually my prediction yet they powered through only conceding four goals and having the likes of jonathan david score three to keep them afloat In uh, that group of life, Group G, uh, really impressive from them. I wasn't expecting it after they kind of went through some uh, turmoil within their player personnel uh, and their managers. So uh, to see them uh, not just go through, but also win the group, really impressive. Second, I have Ajax became the first Dutch team ever to win all six group stage games. In fact, before this season, I think... Winning all six games in your group stage has only happened like six times before. And now we have three in the same season, like crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, And the teams in their group were good teams, Sporting, Dortmund. uh, Besiktas, maybe not so much, but (laughs) at no point did I ever feel like that. They weren't going to win. They were always, always in control. Sebastian Allaire becomes the fastest player to score 10 goals in UCL history, taking just six matches. Really such a, such a dominant player in this group stage. Uh, I think he's going to do great things for Ajax uh, in, the, in the knockout rounds. And lastly, I have Liverpool. Uh, you kind of expect them to do well, but they also just did become the first English side to win all six games in a group with Porto, Atletico Madrid, and AC Milan. That's really not that easy, all while juggling the rigors of the Premier League and the title race going on there. That's great game management and really impressed by them. Jack, who are your three most impressive teams?
1: Uh, IX is definitely one of them. You know, they, they've been very good. Uh, I, I've got to say, I'm not completely as convinced as you are as saying, like, you know, they, that they're like, that the teams they beat are fantastic teams. Yes, Sporting and Dortmund are good, but they're definitely not as good of competition as they might face in the round All of 16. Right. Uh, I think Dortmund especially are a lot. Uh-huh. Lower quality than they they should have been, you know. They faced Dortmund without Holland, which I think is a huge factor as well. Uh, Holland is basically half of Dortmund, yeah, um, and the other half is Marco Royce.
0: They still, you know, <laughs> destroyed them. To be fair, so it's yes, not like yes, you can they did. give you them know, credit. Yeah.
1: They did, they they did, yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, Besiktas is kind of two easy wins. I'm not gonna lie, uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, and other teams I was impressed with: Bayern Munich. You know, uh, I don't Mm -hmm. think you mentioned them 19 (laughs) for a goal differential of 19, the highest in the uh, group stage only conceded three goals, uh, just really dominant from them. Uh, Really fantastic stuff. I can't remember what their biggest win in the in the group stage was, but uh, (laughs) either way, it, it was pretty fantastic. Five five zero, I think, was the biggest one. Really well done for, from them, for sure. And then last one that really impressed me, I'm going to go with RB Salzburg. Okay. I, I I think that they've done a really good job. I think a lot of people kind of expected them to come pretty close to last in this group because, you know, they don't have maybe the same expected quality that some that some people might have thought. But to be fair to them they they've they've kind of crushed it this this season yeah for May, sure y- yes it helped that they got into a better group but they won all three of their home games and that home form really powered them through uh noah Okafor with three goals and kareem adeyemi with three goals as well uh really helped it really helped them through this game uh through this group stage and i i, I you know i'm i'm excited to see what they do in the knockout rounds uh I'm Part too. of me thinks that they're going to get knocked out in the round of 16, but if not, I'd be pretty happy if they made it through a, through an extra round, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- th- those are my three good most I- three most uh, impressive teams, I'll say.
0: All right, and it's also interesting to note that Leipzig didn't make it through because you know when you get drawn in a group of PSG and City,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, kind
0: of kind of will go uh, down south, but Salzburg did make it through to their credit, so good for them. Uh, when we're talking about disappointing teams, uh, Jack, something tells me we'll share at least a couple of these. Number one, I had the one, the only FC Barcelona couldn't even beat Benfica. Literally, only wins in this group stage came from Dynamo Kiev, who had one point this entire, entire nice. group. They got rocked by Bayern both times they played, just embarrassing. Like you said, in Europa for the first time since the o three o four season. Like, no matter which way you cut it, to not make it to the Champions League knockout rounds, which is a sign of, you know, respect. Even if it's just the round of 16, you get knocked out there. Like, it's a status symbol to be a Champions League club. And now that, you know, FC Barcelona are going through this turmoil, uh, have drawn to, to Osuana, or whatever, however you pronounce Osasuna, that. yeah osasuna uh this past weekend um xavi has a lot of work cut out for him because you know when you have so much dead weight on your team you have so much uh discord going on in the front office to the to the the management to the ownership to everything like this was just an entire failure from the from the group stage uh Probably going to continue into the Europa League. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Europa League because, you know, let's face it, it's FC Barcelona. I, I still think their B team, or not their B team, like this less talented team, is still good enough to be a contender for Europa, but still, huge disappointment, not just from the group stage, but also just the league in general. Borussia Dortmund's my second one, got embarrassed by Ajax both times, got, got pummeled four to zero, couldn't best sporting, really disappointing showing from them. Yes, they were missing Erling Holland. Yes, they had a new head coach. But at the same time, you expect them to put up more of a fight in a group that honestly could have been winnable for them if they had all the pieces uh, functioning as expected. You know, losing to Ajax both times and, you know, drawing once and losing once, I, I believe, to, to Sporting nope. CP. Oh, wait. Lost?
1: No, they didn't draw one. They they beat Sporting once and lost them once.
0: OK, so you couldn't beat them in the standings. There we go. So I'm still technically correct. Uh, so I'm really disappointed by them. Third, you could put AC Milan or RB Leipzig. Given just the expectations, you'd expect them to do a little bit better. Uh, RB Leipzig might have been a third place team, but for a lot large parts, they look like a fourth place team. AC Milan, you'd probably expect them to maybe even challenge t- for the knockout rounds. That didn't happen. I just think that's a bit of a failure. Uh, Jack, what do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, well, first, right off the gate, uh Barcelona. Most disappointing team. I'm, I'm flat out saying it. Most disappointing team of the group stage. Yes, they got drawn into a group with Bayern. But you should be beating Benfica and Dynamo Kiev. I mean, Absolutely. You, they beat Dynamo Kiev. Fine. You should be beating Benfica, at least. And the fact that they almost lost to Benfica as well. <laughs> oh, like I almost lost them that. twice. Right. They almost did. If Seferovic knew how to finish a goal, uh, then, may, then this would have been way worse for them. And I'm going to call it, I, I actually think that they might be the next AC Milan in that they're going to they're going to regress for a while and be, it's going to be a long time before it gets better. Yeah, they th- this might be really harsh, but I honestly think that the Barcelona team now is just straight up bad. It, there's very few good players, I, I think, in there.
0: Hey, I, I, you're not going to any complaints from I, me. They are bad. <laughs> I
1: mean, like Depay, fine, that, that's about the best player they have. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Memphis Depay has not been that great in La Liga either.
0: You know what I think uh, they need to do, and this is a bit of a tangent, but mm-hmm. uh, you know they obviously have Depay, and I guess you know he, he's one of their their best attackers right now. Alongside I uh, can't Aguero, he's old. Who cares about him? Yeah. But honestly, uh, they're rumored to be selling uh, Sergio Dest, Frankie de Jong, and Tuchel oh, Dagan. Yeah. and th- those three are likely to get you know a, a pretty mill. So you know. I think they should really just rebuild this team, sell those players. They have a lot of, like, really talented U20 players that they're getting debuts to really lean into the academy again and don't buy anyone right away. Just get people on loan and just try to figure stuff out. Like, the, cause it's disappointing.
1: The thing about it, though, and not not to break away from, from the topic too much, is that Barcelona just, they even if they sell these players... That money can't really be allocated towards buying new players yeah. or really anything. It has to be allocated to covering their debt. Like even selling all three of those players that, that nets them what 150, maybe 200 mil if they're lucky. Maybe. Right. Like, I yeah. mean, that's, that's not even enough to cover half of their debt. Half like that's not even enough to cover a fifth of it. They, they are so far in debt that like it, Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Barcelona just, you know, just stops being a giant in yeah. Spain. Like, I mean, they, it's already arguable that they're not really a giant anymore. Uh, if you, if you look at, if you look at all the, the stats and what they've done, like what's gone wrong this season, but that's, that's for a different time. That's for a different yeah. video. We could go. Who even are your more other than, disappointing teams? My right? other disappointing teams, uh, I am gonna I'm gonna say another really disappointing one. You know Dortmund were disappointing, uh, but I I think one of the most disappointing teams for me was Chelsea. Okay. If if you would ask if they had beaten Zenit, wouldn't it wouldn't be a question that they that they were a good team? That that fifteen points would have been their best ever group stage record in the Champions League. That so if they had beaten Zenit. Would have been fine. But the fact that they drew against them in that 3-3 draw makes them disappointing to me because, you know, those are the kinds of games you need to finish off. Like last season in the Champions League, the reason why they won the whole thing was because they finished games off. And like they, they were good at defending those last minute chances and stuff like that. That didn't happen this time mm-hmm. around. And, you know, I, 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 I think like that makes it a little bit disappointing for sure. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's just because I have high expectations of them after they won no, the mean, Champions League, you're right? right but yeah, uh, and then last disappointing team. I think Wolfsburg is pretty disappointing, honestly. It feels like they barely even put up a fight in this group stage. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they were known in the Bundesliga last season for having a near impenetrable defense, right? Yeah. They gave up 10 goals in six games this time around. Uh, I'm not sure if they even kept a clean sheet in, in, uh, in the UCL this season. Uh, I'm looking through this. <laughs> I don't think they did. And uh, or, sorry, no, they kept one clean sheet in a Good. 0-0 draw. Good. <laughs> that, that's pretty awful when you consider that they play a back three with decent players as well. Decent defenders. Uh overall just really disappointing for them and you know i i think they definitely should have done a lot better in a lot of their games but they just gave up really easy chances and got punished for it uh so those those are probably my most disappointing teams i think
0: all right well we, we covered the group stage a little bit reviewed it a little bit let's look forward real quickly we might do a more comprehensive preview once the round of 16 draw is announced Uh, But Jack, as it currently stands, who do you think are the teams most likely to uh, win this Champions League season?
1: I'm going to say that Bayern are definitely up there, Uh, you know, dominant in the group stages, look dominant in the league as well. So they don't really need to worry as much about that either. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got, what, a six point cushion now, I I think, in the Bundesliga. Something Um, like that. I I think Liverpool are up there it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to juggle these kinds of things. Um, and I think another, another team that, that that's going to be up there is still Chelsea. Yes. I know they, they finished second in their group, but you know, I think they are still a very solid team. And, uh, if, and especially since the champions league round of 16 doesn't start, uh, for a little bit like in February when they might have way more players back from injury. Right. Uh, I think the, the big thing that is really hurting them right now is players being hurt. So I, I, I think you, you've got to put them up there because, you know, they are the reigning champions. And I don't think they've gotten worse or all that worse uh, compared to last season. So, yeah, I, I'd say they're still a contender.
0: All right. Well, Jack, do you want to hear mine? Because I kind of went in on this. I had okay. I have okay. two tiers of contender. Really, two it's tiers, three. okay. Yeah. Okay. So the top tier which are the teams I expect to be uh the most likely uh, contenders uh, for this, I would probably say would be number 1 Bayern Munich, uh number 2 Real Madrid, pretty close mostly because uh, I think both these teams are going to be uh pretty safe in the league like you mentioned, so I think that, you know, because they're a strong side, they'll be folks on the Champions League. I had also in that tier Man City I think it's a strong side, and unlike some other teams I might mention coming up, they're going to be very, very focused on the Champions League trying to get a win here. So I think that uh, even though they have to worry about the league, they might honestly sacrifice some of the league momentum to put into the Champions League. Uh, Then I have the B tier. On the top of the B tier, I have PSG. They're strong, but they have a lot of chemistry issues to deal with. Uh, Number two, I have Liverpool, uh, just because. I don't know, maybe they want to win the league. Maybe uh, AFCON returns some injuries for them. That would kind of suck. Third, I have Ajax, which are strong, but they have a, a little bit of a skill ceiling. Uh, yes, they'll be in their top seed, which helps them a lot going into the round of 16 and into the quarterfinals if they win, but they still have a pretty uh, strong skill ceiling there. And then for the mid-slash-bottom of the B tier, I have... Uh, some of the other contenders, Juventus, Inter United, and I also have Chelsea there. Uh, I think Chelsea would be probably one of the stronger ones of those sides. But Jack, do you know why I put Chelsea there? Why, why is that? And this is interesting because I, I, I hadn't really thought about this, but because, you know, Champions League drawing, you know, uh, they got second place in their group, which means they'll be playing a first place team. What just happened, the other English teams all won their group, which means that, you know, because of the way that the draw works, you can't play a team from your own country. So the only teams that you can play are Ajax, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and Lille. One of which is I think the only one that, that Chelsea's a out and out, definitely favorite, definitely probably gonna win, which is Lille. Ajax, which could bring up a fight, and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, which are two very hard Matches. Not saying that you guys are going to lose, but compared to some other easier routes, I think that Chelsea's is a little bit a little bit more daunting. Would you agree?
1: I, I think three out of the four teams we
0: we could beat pretty easily, honestly. I don't know. Real Madrid are I, on some crazy, crazy form right now.
1: They, they were on good form when uh, when Chelsea took him on in the semifinal last season as well. Not just saying, uh, just, just saying. All right. Uh, all right. Leo and I, 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 I'm, do you want to hear my hottest take about, about the Champions Ix League? Ajax isn't now? good.
0: Is that what you're going to say? Yeah.
1: Ajax gets knocked out round of 16. I, I, I think it's going to happen. I, 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 I think am... they're, they're, they, are they are the true title pretenders. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I Dude, think I, that,
0: I, I can't wait for Ajax to be drawn to Chelsea first and game. Chelsea
1: smash him eight to zero. That no, would be fantastic. No, at Stanford
0: Bridge, four to zero. Ajax. No, easy. No,
1: not a all chance. Right. All right. I can't, I can't wait for, Honestly, I, I really think I are. I, I don't think that they're that good. I, I really don't think they are.
0: All right. Well, hot take, we'll, maybe, but we'll see how they stand with their opponent when we preview the round of 16 games. Let's talk about uh, very quickly. MLS announces MLS Next Pro, which is going to be uh, another third division a league in America geared towards MLS teams to put their reserve slash second teams. 20 MLS teams will enter the inaugural season in 2022 with eight moving from USL and 12 launching a new second teams. There's also one independent team, Rochester, New York FC, formerly the Rochester Rhinos, the team owned by Jamie Vardy, of all people. The teams joining in 2022 are Chicago, Colorado, Columbus, Cincinnati, Dallas, Houston, KC, Miami, Minnesota, yay, New England, NYCFC, Orlando, Philly, Portland, RSL, San Jose, Seattle, St. Louis City, Uh, St. Louis City, of course, ahead of their 2023 inaugural season, Toronto FC, Vancouver, and Rochester. In 2023, Atlanta, Charlotte, D.C., LA Galaxy, LAFC, Nashville, Red Bulls, and Austin will join them. This is a league that's going to be focused on development where youngsters and established senior players can play for a spot potentially on the first team. They're looking to use it to try new formats and new competition rules as well. Jack, real quick, do you have any opinions on this? Because I have a lot of opinions because I have a lot of opinions on league formats. Uh, So anything from you?
1: Uh, I mean, it's good that there's more pathways to success, right? Right. It's always good to have that kind of thing. But at the same time... Uh, I I I don't I don't know if if this is the right way to do it, right? You know, if you're going to have a league that develops players, why not make it more open, right? Uh, and uh, actually, you've you, you,
0: read my tweets, Jack. Jack's read my tweets. No, no,
1: this this is just what I'm thinking right <laughs> okay, now. Okay, okay, I, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm like, you know, it would it would benefit every everyone in U.S. soccer if you have more open leagues, right? Like, yes. I, I think. You know, I, I get it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they actually format this to see if they make it something meaningful. But at the same time, I think, you know, it making it a closed league for mostly just MLS Academy type or reserve leagues kind, kind of makes it so that it it just pushes MLS into a further tier up over all the other leagues in the U.S., which I don't really want to see. I'd love to see some more parity between them.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you you hit on some of the points I mentioned in my Twitter thread when I covered this uh, last week, but pros, I would say you get space for development. You mention it, you know, always good to have multiple pathways. If someone falls through the cracks, maybe they come in through a second team and suddenly they become a star and become MLS MVP and then become Champions League MVP. Kind of a jump, but, you know, whatever. USL also. Gets more uh, a bigger percentage of independent teams, one hundred percent from I don't know seventy five percent wherever they were. Uh, USL obviously wants to have more independence from MLS. That's a this is good in that sense, but the cons is just uh, namely independent teams plus overage players makes it seem like they're trying to encroach on USL slash NISA market space where. They're not just a reserve league. They're also just it's it's an everybody league. It's it's the third division. Now we have three leagues in the third division like this is American soccer is getting very, very jumbled where it doesn't need to be. MLS can just stay in their own lane and make their own reserve league and that'd be fine. Now it kind of seems like they're trying to weaken the lower leagues and that kind of sucks to see. Uh, development also just isn't that good when you're playing against, you know, similar low-level teams, right? Like, before USL, these USL2 teams, or MLS2 teams, had to go against grown men in USL. I don't know how much how many, like, grizzled 30-year-old veterans are going to be, like, sly tackling these 18-year-olds, really trying to get them uh, get them caught up with, the, you know, how real men play the game or whatever. Uh, and like Jack mentioned, travel costs plus low attendance equals bad. Why not have a more comprehensive reserve league? It doesn't have to be like just one big league, but have a system where geographically close teams can play each other. So it's not just MLS teams. It could be USL, NISA, uh, maybe some of the stronger USL League 2, where MPSL teams can also have academies. Some independent academies can also be a part of that. MLS Next is, you know, supposedly going to emulate that, but now at, you know, the pro level, there are teams that have reserve reserve teams why not have uh that it be in the same system we have usl academy and their new uh academy reserve league have it be one system i see no reason to have have it be one si- uh, have it be one comprehensive system i know uh people have tweeted at me saying oh it's because of money and, you know mls wants it to all be you know for them usf wants the money to be for them yes i guess in the short term but then my question is what, what money are they gaining from this so they can control the system? I get that, but at the same time, they're not getting any money from the TV deal because, as many people mentioned, they're not going to watch this on TV because who wants to watch this other than me? I'll definitely be watching. Uh uh-huh, But you'll also be having, if you have a comprehensive system, you'll have better competition, better scouting, so you can actually pick up and maybe poach players from other, other teams and sell them on. And in the long term, better competition develops better players equals you could spin those players uh, for more money when you sell them or they just become better players for you. I just I, I don't see a reason for MLS to do this other than if they're trying to take over lower division soccer in America, which is, I don't know, possible, I suppose. Uh, that's a very long way. I know I said quick. I, I, I need to get that off my chest because I As many listeners know, I care a lot about league formats, and I'm kind of a nerd in that sense. Can can
1: we talk about the worst, the objectively objective worst part of this announcement? Please,
0: is it is it the logo? Yes. What what is wrong with it, dude? Don't get me started on that. (laughs) Hold on,
1: if you if you can see it through the screen, what is this right here? What is that? The twos. Why are the twos different fonts? Why would you do this? Why, why is, why, why is this press announcement so awful to look at? It makes me hate it before even seeing the product. Yeah, literally. Like, I, I hate it so much. Whoever made this font, it's, it's worse than Comic Sans. I'll say it. Whoever made this, it's worse than Comic Sans. It's worse than Windings,
0: bro. Honestly. honestly, Yeah, Windings would be better than this. So, like, I'm, listeners also know that I'm really into weird designs. I'm really into the US soccer jersey where it's like a bunch of like weird squiggly lines. I can't get into this. It's like, I I don't really see the purpose of this other than, I don't know. They needed to pay a graphic designer or something. And the graphic designer, you know, fell asleep and then procrastinated until the very last minute. Like
1: the the X in the logo doesn't even look like an X. It looks like an God. I. It looks like an eye. I. I I hate this so much.
0: Oh Ugh. boy. Oh boy. Well, let's move on before we get too heated, and uh, talk about uh, uh some stat padding, Jack. We're t- we're talking about some Italian specials here. Kind of sounds like a uh, an Italian sub at Subway, but I- I'd love to hear some of the stats you have of Serie A. Yeah,
1: well, before we get into the questions, the best Italian sub is Jersey Mike's, without a doubt. Just just say it, just to put it out there. You, on okay, the
0: but, but, no, before no, I, I need to hear this. <laughs> Are you Jersey Mike's guy? Because I'm an Herberts and Gerberts guy. Jersey Mike's is like third, Jimmy John's is second, Subway's last. I hate Subway.
1: I, I'm I'm okay with Subway. Uh Jersey Mike's is my favorite. Jersey okay. Mike's is my favorite. I love their chi- their buffalo chicken cheesesteak. Mm. Ooh, I love That's che- oh, good. That
0: cheese. That cheesesteak's good. No. It's so good. Oh. It is good. I'll give you that. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's talk about the real Italian special, which is Serie A.
1: Yeah. Uh listeners might know I'm a pretty big fan of Serie A, so I decided to put together five quick questions on some stats from this Serie A season. AJ, are you ready for these?
0: <sighs> probably not, but let's hear it. <laughs> All right, so first,
1: we're, we're going to start off with a relatively easy one. What Italian team is the only team in all of Europe's top five leagues to have zero draws this season? Another hint, they boast a 10-win and 7-loss record so oh, far. God.
0: Uh, can I have a hint on where they are at the table? Or Not, not because that wouldn't help me. <laughs> Another hint, maybe?
1: Another hint? I believe you like this team quite a bit.
0: But, oh, okay, okay. Yes, I think it, it, this actually makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think it should be Fiorentina. I have a scarf from them. Okay. Yes,
1: yes, it is Fiorentina. That yeah. that is correct. Zero Sweet. zero draws. They go all all out, all or nothing,
0: yeah. really. And th- that makes sense. That makes sense for them. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yes. And let's go. there you go. You've got the first one. So next one, Fiorentina's Dusan Vlahovic may have the most goals in Serie. A, But which diminutive Neapolitan has the best goals per minute ratio with a goal every 75 minutes? And for a bonus point, if you want, you can answer how many goals Vlahovic actually has.
0: Oh, God. Oh, I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll go for the bonus point, even though I'll probably be wrong. Uh, I'm going to go with Dries Mertens for the main question. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. It is Trusmerts. <laughs> I tried to throw you off to make you think Insigne for a second there. No, I, I,
0: I, I think I remember actually mentioning that as a stat when we were previewing uh, one of the games for Napoli.
1: Nice. There you go. The memory, the memory taken yeah, yeah. in.
0: And Vlahovic, I ooh, I don't even know. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with like twelve. <laughs> He's got fifteen. Oh, Okay. Fifteen
1: in seventeen games. Not too bad for a twenty-one year old. You know. Yeah,
0: that's pretty good. Big right. money transfer coming his way for sure.
1: Probably. Yeah. All right. Next one here. Which two teams have the best form in Serie A winning all five of their last five games?
0: Okay. AC Milan can't be the answer because they drew their game today or this weekend. Okay. I'm going to go on. I know it's not (laughs) happily. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the other two teams in the top four. Uh, Inter and atalanta
1: That is correct. You got okay, them both. Let's and go! Come on, Jack. I gotta if, make you it a, if you want harder, if you want a bonus point here, you can answer this one. Which team has the worst form? Which uh, they ha- only have one point from their last five games, and they have the worst goal differential over
0: those uh five games. All right. Is is, is this like a is this like a question that uh, is going to be surprising? Like, okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna really think about we'll, this. We'll see. We'll see. The only reason why you'd ask this because it's it's not gonna be like some like bottom feeder team. I think the only reason why you'd ask this if, is if it was a funny answer and if, if it was <laughs> Juventus. Is it Juventus? Is that, is that,
1: it is not. It actually oh. is the bottom feeder. It is, it is Salernitana, who have negative ten goal differential over the past five Ugh. games. I just look Juventus. One.
0: Juventus have won like uh two out of the last three games yeah Dang. yeah they,
1: they yeah i i would have loved it if it was juventus to yeah. be fair but okay. it is not okay. all right i an- another interesting one here what recent former serie b side is cruising in serie a this season
0: uh well a lot of them are former serie b like uh so the from
1: from last season we'll, we'll say okay. from last
0: season uh I'm going to act like I, I know uh which which teams I, I know uh I know Venezia were one. Uh, I'm looking at the list of teams. I, I don't know which ones are series. B. <laughs>
1: that that's what makes this one tricky. You said to make the question harder.
0: Yeah. So I I, 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 I
1: eliminated <sighs> the part that made it easier. So
0: Okay. <laughs> uh ooh, actually th- this team that I'm seeing, I'm pretty sure is a Serie B team. I have no idea. Uh is it Empoli? I'm I'm pretty it sure. It is. Okay. You got it.
1: It is Empoli. They they were in Serie B last season okay, and they're in seventh right now.
0: Wow, yeah, pretty impressive. Than Roma. I'm, I'm looking at the table now. Okay, yeah, interesting.
1: All, All right. right, last question to see Speaking. if you can get the perfect. I've never what Italian it. player oh, has God. the most assists in Serie A this season, and how many does this player have?
0: Can I get a hint on that? A
1: hint, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll give you how much. I can give you how many
0: assists he he okay, has. Okay.
1: He has seven assists.
0: Seven assists. Uh, do I know my Italian attackers? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Chiesa.
1: It is not unfortunately. Dang, so I, I was I was going to put that he finished in the top thirty for the Ballon on door.
0: Do you know oh. who it is? If I give you that uh now I, do you think i really cared about the the ball and door <laughs> uh was it uh 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 Ooh, no no uh, the name's in my head but i'm forgetting that the
1: what, the what team player. are you thinking of right now
0: uh i can't I, what team am i thinking of right now <laughs> I, 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 i'm thinking i'm thinking right now of, of the euro team uh oh, okay i see i see yeah It is
1: it is Nicolo Barella from Inter Milan who scored who got two assists today, actually. So he he was tied for with about five other people on five assists, which was going to make this question a lot more interesting. But then he decided to make it not interesting. So Uh, four out of five, though, for a league that you don't really watch that much isn't too bad.
0: Yeah, well, that's because a lot of them were team based. And I think I do a lot better on team based questions. Uh, the the Drees Mertens one. I just got lucky because I, I... well
1: And you know I like Drees Mertens. Yeah, so, exactly. of course, I would make a question about yeah. it. <laughs> All
0: right. I'm surprised you didn't put a Drew question on there.
1: I was trying to find a way to fit him into that, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I was really trying. Uh, just wasn't working out. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, Jack, thank you for that addition of stat padding. I always enjoy that. I was enjoying how badly I usually do on those. Not this week, though.
1: I think I think that's your best one uh, because you got three on one week and i think he got two on it on the first one so all
0: right all right well let's see if that comes back and maybe i'll get five out of five next time speaking of five out of five uh let's talk about last week's predictions as always we like to predict uh last week's five biggest games from across the world and we do a little game where jack and i and you listeners can potentially uh compete and see which one of the three of us is the best game predictor jack why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the scoring system?
1: Yeah, well, you get 10 points for getting the result correct, 20 points if you get the exact scoreline correct, and zero points for getting none of it. But for a rule that's very important this week, you get five points if you guess the correct winner in a penalty shootout. So starting off with this, Bayern Munich versus FC Barcelona. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, Bayern crushed Barcelona 3-0. to zero. No yeah. mercy whatsoever. And Barcelona drop out of the UCL. I guess two to zero. I thought Bayern might be a little bit more conservative. Nope. Uh, Ten points, though. I'll take that and Barcelona's demise. Uh, AJ guessed two to one. He thought Barcelona might find a way through. Nope. Nope. Barcelona would have liked maybe to have an extra goal, but still ten points for AJ there. And our listeners guessed Barcelona. Which I think is a bit of an interesting one. Uh, Definitely not the the, it's a hot take, not not the best take, though. So zero points there.
0: And Jack, why don't you walk us through Napoli and Leicester City as well?
1: Yeah, Napoli versus Leicester. We didn't talk about this one a lot, but it was the final game in the Europa League group stage. Napoli versus Leicester. Who would finish in that final spot after Spartak Moscow took that top spot? And it was Napoli who beat Leicester in a thrilling 3-2 game. And I mean thrilling. Uh, they scored first in the fourth minute, but then, uh, and, and uh, scored second as well with Elgif Elmas, one of AJ's favorite players, uh, scoring a goal there. But Leicester, within five minutes of that, had scored, had scored one, and then six minutes after that, scored another to make it 2-0. But AJ's favorite Napoli player, Elgif Elmas, scored the winner in the 53rd minute, and Napoli held on to get a thrilling 3-2 victory. I called it right on the money. I said 3-2 for Napoli, so I'll take those 20 points. AJ was very close, 3-1. So uh, if, on, if only uh, Kieran Drewsbury-Hall wasn't there, uh, then maybe AJ would be getting those 20 points. And our listeners, back the wrong horse again. Zero Ouch.
0: points that time as well. Yeah. And Tottenham Hotspur versus Rennes in the Conference League uh, didn't actually happen cuz Tottenham are kind of having a COVID outbreak in their ranks. Really unfortunate to see. So this game as well as their game this weekend got suspended, got postponed actually. I don't know if they're when they're going to plan to play this game, but uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll keep these predictions on and we'll see how that uh game turns out. Uh but the fourth game that we predicted it was Portland Timbers versus NYCFC in the MLS Cup final, as we mentioned, ended up being one to one, four to two on penalties. Jack said two to one for Portland Timbers. He thought that Blanco and company could do it. He gets zero points. Listeners also backed Portland Timbers. They thought that home field advantage would be good. Zero points for them too. I said three to one, so I was pretty far off in terms of actual scoreline. But because I backed NYCFC to win, I get a nice five points to my name. Uh the final game is what was Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid in the Madrid Derby uh, in La Liga. Uh this game ended up being finishing 2-0 from goals from Benzema and Asensio even though those two players weren't the best on the field. It was actually Vinicius Jr who has been having the absolute craziest uh season for uh Real Madrid. 10 goals and 4 assists for the 21-year-old Brazilian. Going to be one of the most world-class players uh, this you know in this era. Really excited to see what he does. Uh, he got two assists his name uh, this game. Probably gonna get more in the future. Jack said one to zero for 10 points towards Real Madrid. I said two to zero, right in the money for Real Madrid. I get 20 points. Listeners, they finally got one and finally backed the right horse. Uh, got to 10 points for them. And Jack, how about you go over the scoreline for this week?
1: I, I'm not a big fan of NYCFC, and I hate them <laughs> even more now that they've given you a five point lead this week over me. I had 40 points, AJ had 45, and the listeners, bit of a nightmare this week uh, yeah. with only 10 points, but still not the worst ever score, which would be AJ and I, I believe both getting zero points one week. Uh, That was an especially rough week. I think the only reprieve was that we guessed the March Madness winner, right? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we predicted that that's about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the final season uh, standings as of week 17, I believe this is. uh, I have 420 points. Jack, you have 400 points. So a 20 point gap between us and listeners. Terrible week from you it leads to a point total of 370 so 30 behind jack and 50 behind me so feeling pretty good jack how are you feeling
1: uh, not great but nice score by the way uh, just yes yes yeah, that that's that's all i have to say <laughs> that's the only comment <laughs> yeah and i have
0: to score zero points from here on out yeah exactly yeah but i won't cuz i'll be getting another perfect score to keep my good form going Starting with Arsenal versus West Ham United listeners, as always, if you want to participate in these polls, you know, try to see if you can beat us and avenge your guys' terrible performance this week, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. And every Monday and Tuesday, we'll post a poll uh, with the games and you could pick which of the two teams that you think would win. Arsenal versus West Ham United. I'll get this one started because I am a fan of West Ham United. West Ham haven't won away at the Emirates since 2015. And Arsenal have been very strong at home on the second best form propelled by their 1.3 goals per game average. The thing about them is that they still haven't really had a strong test at home. They played City, Liverpool, United, and Everton, lost all those games. They've hosted Chelsea and Tottenham, won the Spurs game, and lost the Chelsea game. So West Ham have every chance to score goals in the fixture, but it's kind of hard to tell where Arsenal's strength is right now. Odegaard coming into his own netting some returns bodes well for the Gunners as Smith-Rowe has been out for a bit. An attack of Saka and Martinelli is still really good, even without ESR. On West Ham's side, though, they've had an uninspiring draw at Burnley today with Antonio out of form and no backup strikers and an injury-stricken defense. I see this being Arsenal's chance to make a run for top four. I'm sorry, Hammers fans. It pains me to do this. I'm going with a one to zero win for the bad guys. Reed, I know if you're listening to this, you're probably smiling. Don't. I, this is this isn't a trend. We'll get you know. Mm, we'll get you. We'll get you. One <laughs> to zero for the Gunners. Jack, what do you say?
1: Uh, I am going to go for a one-one draw in this okay. one. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I take that honestly. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I might take that.
1: I mean. West Ham's defense is not looking good. Uh, yeah. Cresswell, I... Ogbonna, Johnson, Zuma, and Fredericks are all out with injuries. Literally, all of your injuries are defenders.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, this is like
1: the Liverpool defensive crisis last year, but to the max. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty bad. Uh, and you know, at the same time, I'm not completely convinced by Arsenal still. I, I, I know that, that uh, you know that win against Southampton was good, but the loss to Liverpool, United, and Everton, especially, yeah, that that's the big thing that shows that this team is still very vulnerable, uh, and you know not really that good at finishing off games. I think they might score first, and then you know West Ham. It's probably going to be Masuaku scoring a goal like that. <laughs> he didn't he didn't intend to hit. I'm still kind of mad about that one, uh, <laughs> but you know I I'm going one to one.
0: Yeah, I mean it also. You know, goes against Arsenal for the fact that they played Southampton. We're missing their top two goalkeepers, both McCarthy and the other guy that I'm forgetting uh, was out due to injury. So not looking great for uh, Southampton and Arsenal got 3-0, but was it really that hard? I don't know. Uh, next is uh, a Women's Champions League game. We haven't really uh, previewed this since the final last season, but they're wrapping up their group stage. And Jack just happens to involve involved one of your teams, one of the, the, team, the, the, the team of the, the year or whatever the Ballon d'Or thing was called. It's Wolfsburg versus Chelsea FC in the group stage. Jack, who do you think is winning this?
1: Well, uh, this, what, this, this is an interesting game. Final group stage game. Chelsea need a good result here. As long as they don't lose, they finish top of their group. Yes. So they're definitely going to want to. The first version of this game, or the reverse fixture, finished 3-3 three three with Chelsea scoring in the 90-plus yes. second minute to tie it up. So, you know, if we get something like that again, it'll be really impressive. I am going to say that Chelsea win this. Uh, yes, they had a really uninspiring game against Reading this past weekend, where they lost 1-0. But at the same time, I... I, I Wolfsburg just isn't looking as good as they did in seasons past and they might be top of the uh, Frauen Bundesliga but I I, I I'm i not complete I'm not completely convinced that this team is okay the same as it as it was before I'm gonna go for a 2-1 win for Chelsea Ooh. with Sa- Sam Kerr is gonna score one I think and maybe body check someone it, you know why not
0: that was sick that was sick it was sick it was sick however i don't think that's gonna happen jack you know why why because wolfsburg i think are a good team have i watched a lot of Frauen bundesliga games no have i only watched wolfsburg uh through the champions league yes however they've been pretty good in the champions league like yes they, they are in third place yes if chelsea <laughs> lose this game they might uh get second place to juventus in another competition which would be very, very funny to me. And I'm probably not funny to you. No. <laughs> but they are, you know, you said they are on top of the Frauen Bundesliga. And they have a good roster, the likes of Netherlands player Dominique Janssen, uh, Shanice van de Sanden, and some great German strike players in striker Tabio Wassmith, who has a competition leading six goals, uh, Turid Knack, who has three assists, alongside Lena Oberdorf, who also has three assists. That's pretty good. And being at home, being able to draw away uh, from home against Chelsea is pretty good. This Wolfsburg team, I think, has enough. I also like the drama. 2-1 to one for Wolfsburg. And let's see where Chelsea finishes. Jack, the next game. U.S. men's national team versus Bosnia and Herzegovina. I'll get us started here talking about the U.S. men's national team. Because they're not in any FIFA window, both these sides are heavily domestic-based. When I look at the rosters... I am more impressed with the USA's. I think we're going to put out a little bit more of an experimental roster with the right amount of veteran continuity. I won't be surprised to see the likes of Justin Shea, jo- Jonathan Gomez, Aaron Long, Cole Bassett, Caden Clark, Cade Cowell, Taylor Booth, and some other players get a run out in some capacity. Overall, this should be a low-key game where Burhalter just is playing players that happen to do well in camp and you know getting a good look at them. Nothing really more other than that. I still think we are the better side, so I'm going to go with a 4-1 to one win for Camp Candy Cane, as some people are calling it. Jack, who do you think is winning this clash of titans? Uh,
1: titans is one word for it. Maybe <laughs> not the word that I'd use here. Uh, I, I think that the U.S. will win this one just because I think MLS is better than the Bosnian league. That that's I take. I that, think <laughs> I, I think that that's my main reasoning for it. Uh, and also the the U.S. roster isn't too bad in terms of who they've put together, given you know all the restrictions that they do have on this. And but the most important thing about this is ju- it's just going to be good to see some of these <laughs> players uh, for for the U.S. I'm going to go. I'm not I'm not as optimistic as you for a four-one win. Darn. I'm gonna say two to zero. I think or, mm, two to zero. We'll say two to zero. Okay, okay. we'll say two to zero.
0: Yeah. Nice, Dusacero to you know end off the 2021 year. Jack, AC Milan versus Napoli, top four in Serie A. We've been about we've talked about Serie A a little bit today. Who do you think is winning this one?
1: Ooh, uh, well, neither of these teams are on the best form that they've been in recently, and it's going to be. Really important for both of these teams to win uh, this game. They're both going to want it because they need to keep up with this title race. They're both heavily injury-stricken. I'm not sure if you've taken a look at the injury list for both of these teams, but Napoli is missing Fabian Ruiz, Koulibaly, Zielinski, and Labotka, whereas AC Milan are missing Rebic, Giroud, the best player of all time, obviously, Mm. uh, Rafael Leao, and Simon Kerr. Those are some heavy losses for both of the uh, for both of the sides. Ultimately, I'm going to be boring and say it's going to be a 2-2 draw. And that's not boring, but it's it, I think it's going to be a draw regardless between them. They they're both going to want to not lose more than win, I think in this, because they've got to stay with that title con- uh title contention. And both of them are missing a lot of key defensive players which makes me think that there, there's going to be quite a few goals. Right. I know, Meanwhile, as I'm saying that, I know that every time I say it, I curse that, but whatever.
0: 2-2. Two, two. I'm going with 2-1 for AC Milan. Uh, I, I, I think that they are currently on form. The better the two teams, I think on paper, they might, it might be a bit more even, but I'm really looking at the likes of Zlatan, Kessie and Tonali to carry on their form and win this game. I think those are the three game changers in this match. If those three play well uh, off the bench or starting, I think they will do well. Plus, Cassie and Tonali were able to rest uh, in, the, in this uh, past game, so I think uh, they should be up and at em for this Napoli game. So I'm going go to go 2-1, 2-1 for AC Milan. Oh, that rhymed, so it must be true. Jack, Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool FC. Who is winning this one?
1: Uh, a lot of it depends on if they get on, if they're back from COVID or not. Yep, that is
0: true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. That's
1: the big thing that that I'm wondering. Even without that, though, they're still missing uh, Christian Romero, uh, Tottenham, as well as Sergio Regulon, which is really rough for them. Liverpool have a fair share of injuries, but ultimately... Liverpool have just been really good this season, mm-hmm. and I don't think it stops with this Tottenham team. Uh, yeah. This Tottenham team—they may be in seventh—I don't think that's an accurate reflection of how good or bad they've really been. So I'm going to go with a two or three, three to one win for for Liverpool.
0: Oh, wow! Liverpool
1: haven't been keeping a ton of clean sheets lately, so I, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go for three to one.
0: Jack, I was also going for a 3-1 to victory for Liverpool, but I'm not going to go with that. Uh, yes, Liverpool are very good. They haven't been c- keeping any clean sheets, but still, this is the Liverpool side that has the competition's top goal score right now in Mo Salah, the team that's scoring the a league leading 2.8 goals per game. Kept the most clean sheets in the Prem, maybe not recently, but you know, still have that stat. And haven't lost to Tottenham since 2017. That was, that was even before the, the Champions League final. And then you have a Tottenham team that haven't been able to train together since this past week. Probably not going to be able to until a couple days before the Leicester game, if the Leicester game even happens. So this is going to be a very, very tight, tight window for Tottenham to get back into match fitness. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I am going to go for, instead of a 3-1, I'm going to go with a 2 to zero uh win for liverpool and get some at trent alexander arnold some uh uh <laughs> cheap bonus yeah. points yeah jack that is it for our predictions uh how do you feel do you think you'll be able to bounce back and maybe retake the lead
1: uh i hope so i <laughs> really hope so uh we'll, we'll see about it we predicted we predicted a fair few similar yeah. results it's really going to come down to the i mean actually no i say that and we've predicted different results for three out of the five games but yeah. it, it's going to be an interesting one especially since there's probably only two weeks left in the season for the prediction game
0: so yeah if I've, i'm looking if i'm looking at it other than this next week we have two more weeks of predicting and then it's over and then maybe the prediction game kind of evolves into something else i don't know we'll see Ooh, listeners maybe <laughs> listeners you have everything to fight for so go ahead to our twitter account which is jack what is
1: it it is at final third show on twitter you can find the prediction game polls as well as you know uh some other fun tweets that aj and i are going to put out there we we try and share our opinions on soccer news as it comes out uh and you know you're not going to want to miss anything from there especially uh as west ham get a last minute uh, winner from. Who, who is it that always scores those last minute winners? Lanzini, Lanzini. is that? Yeah. Hope I hope so. And uh, you can see AJ absolutely go crazy on the Twitter timeline. <laughs> You're not going to want to miss that. So make sure you click that follow button and enjoy, enjoy the, the content, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also follow us on whatever podcast platform. you Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podcast Addict, whatever. Uh, go ahead and tell your friend about the show or tell your dad about the show. I'm sure they would all love to hear about NYCFC winning MLS Cup. We'll see you guys uh, next, uh, this coming Thursday, for a very MLS expansion draft themed episode. Maybe NWSL as well, cover that a little bit. Uh, And we'll see you guys same time, same place for next week's News and Predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.